Hello, and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip? Innovations that changed everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible, and ultimately push them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation from marketing. Moneyball for growth-oriented businesses, we say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of What Makes Them Tip, Entrepreneurial Innovations That Changed Everything. I'm your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Isaiah Bollinger. I didn't ask you how to pronounce your name, Isaiah. Did I do it right? Very close, Isaiah. So it's actually funny because it's Isaiah Bollinger in our family, but there's actually a family disagreement that some of our family says what you said, like they they say it's slightly different, Bollinger versus Bollinger. So whose side of the family did I just take? You took the other side of the family. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about that. (laughs) Isaiah. um, Isaiah is the founder and CEO of Trellis. uh, And welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. I think we connected on like LinkedIn. It's funny because like, I feel like my podcast, I have a podcast as well, and it wouldn't exist without LinkedIn because that's how I've gotten like half my guests. Like, hey, this guy looks interesting. Let's see if he wants to be on the podcast. I think that might've been how we connected. Yeah. And um, I just started listening to your podcast, The Hard Truth About B2B E-Commerce. Um, what what made you decide to uh, to start a podcast back in June? Yeah, I think uh, probably similar to what you maybe what made you decide to start a podcast podcast. I think podcast is becoming like almost a new blog, right? Like, I don't know. How, yes, like, yes. In 2012, when I started my business, it was like, well, we got to have a blog. We need to get content. I believed in content. I was a big SEO guy. And now it's like, well, blogs are, are taught. There's a lot of noise and written content and a podcast is actually in, in a lot of ways, a more efficient, effective way to get content at scale, quality content at scale out. Um, and we, we convert our blogs into podcasts. We can, and then we have videos yeah. and it's this multimedia effort. So we saw it as, as, as an opportunity that way. And yeah. also COVID destroyed, we had a pretty strong events uh, strategy and COVID obviously destroyed that. And so I was like, well, we got to, what, what can we kind of like replace this events, you know, all this yeah. time and money going to events. So we decided to, to invest in a podcast. I, I love how easy it is to make content when you have a podcast. It's like you just, you're collaborating with somebody live, you're asking interesting questions, getting interesting answers, and then boom, you can do whatever you got to do with that. Break it up however you like. Absolutely. I, I think I've also gotten a little burnt out. I've done a, I've done a lot of writing. I think I've gotten burnt out a little bit on the writing. I mean, I've written thousands of pages. I mean, Trellis is a pretty big content site at this point um, for like how small of a company you are. We have over a thousand pages. Most of those were written by me. Um, it just, it, 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 it's definitely hard to sit down and write like a 10 page blog post or, you know, even a one page blog post like at scale. But a podcast for me, it's like I get excited, like oh, like you get to talk and <laughs> yeah, same. I love it. Okay, so tell tell us about Trellis. Uh, what is it? Why'd you start it? Tell give me the yeah. origin story. So basically, like I was helping small businesses at another company, and uh, they had kind of a package solution, and it became pretty quick, pretty apparent to me that their package solution wasn't really a scalable solution. Like it was kind of a nice starter thing. Like hey, if you don't have a website, this is 2012 we'll get you a website. And it was like kind of cheap and it just got them started. But then what? Like, 
as all of you probably know at a basic level, you can't just like build a website and let it sit there for five years. Like everything's evolving so fast. You have to be constantly improving and coming up with new things that make your website or your marketing uh, interesting. And so I didn't feel like the company really had that, uh, like kind of like next level offering. So I was like, and I saw how much this was in 2012, small business was like, well, there's Google and they knew the internet was important, but it was still kind of early. And they were still like, kind of like not sure what to do. Like they, it was like the end of the yellow pages era. You know what I mean? Like that, that kind of transition. And so I set out on my own to just kind of help them and, and offer kind of like a, I guess like a flexible, customizable solution that could scale with the small businesses. And that evolved into Trellis. Um, we talked before we started the podcast about how it was actually moved digital. Um, and yep. then we rebranded re to Trellis uh, once we kind of like had a better idea of what we wanted to be. Yeah. In what ways would you say that Trellis uh, is unique about how you approach your market? So pretty quickly on, we decided to focus on e-commerce. We do do some content websites and non-e-commerce uh, work, but our main focus is e-commerce. Um, and part of that is because we, we actually just updated our kind of brand messaging to like our, our slogan, if you will, is make commerce simple. And the ethos behind that is that like we believe kind of like e-commerce is just making e-commerce simple, simpler. Like the whole point of e-commerce is that I can go on whenever I want, buy something quickly, and it arrives at my house fairly quickly and it's convenient and saves me time. And we kind of see that making commerce simple and e-commerce simple is all one and the same. And that's kind of what we're trying to achieve. And we're taking a very holistic approach to that. That's like tailored to each individual customer. So we don't do the same thing. We have some things that kind of like are similar across customers, but we take like a very you know, client specific approach and figure out how do we help this company the most in terms of e-commerce and making their commerce simple so that their customers can buy easier and buy more. You know, we find that the more you make it easier for your customers to buy, the more they'll buy from you basically. Yeah. In what, what were some of the big innovations for your company over its lifetime since 2012, you said, right? That's a great question. Great question. Um, I would say the biggest one has been the standardization and evolution of these e-commerce platforms. So we kind of got lucky in a lot of ways. Like there was a lot of challenges with starting the business in 2012. I had no idea what I was doing. Like that was one of the biggest challenges. <laughs> but but in 2012, platforms were starting to standardize. Like WordPress was becoming more mature. Magento is an e-commerce platform that's still that got bought by Adobe. That was starting to mature and become more more kind of like prominent. Shopify was starting to evolve, big commerce. So these platforms that are kind of like the infrastructure for most e-commerce businesses today, we're like just building up at that time. So we could kind of like latch on to those and grow with them and kind of like implement them for clients. And that's essentially a lot of the core of what we do is we help you implement a new e-commerce platform or take what you have and make it better, basically. Love it. Okay. This is the part of the, the episodes that I really like to key in on your uh, tipping point. So uh, take me back to a time when you felt like you were beating your head against a wall and what tipped you guys towards success? There was a lot of tipping points. Um, so I think that we went through, I, I'm trying to like break this down into like the different ones because I don't think there's one. The yeah. first one I would say is we were kind of all over the place. Like I said, I was like, you know, I just want to help small business. So we would do like whatever we would do, like branding and everything. Like we just did whatever we thought would help the small businesses digitally. And it, and it was very obviously not successful in the sense that we could sell it, but it was hard to do a good job servicing it because there was just too much, too many different things that we were doing. 
So yeah. pretty quickly on, that's when we started to focus on e-commerce and we said, look, what's the best solutions out there? At the time we felt Magenta was the best and WordPress was the best content solution. So we built around Magento and WordPress. Um, and then that grew into, you know, Shopify gained momentum. So over time, eventually we started doing more Shopify. Now actually we do a lot of Shopify and same thing with big commerce. So you're mostly teaching companies how to use these platforms. A lot of that's what we're doing. Um, because a lot of how to use those platforms is how to do e-commerce, right? Like if you don't know how to run these platforms and you literally can't do e-commerce. So that is a lot of what we're doing is teaching them how to do essentially e-commerce effectively. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was definitely one tipping point was realizing, Hey, if we specialize in these areas, we're actually going to be more successful than if we try and do too much. Right. Yes. So that was one tipping point. Um, I think another tipping point was just knowing who to go after, like what size client, what, how to charge. It took us a long time to figure out how to charge. Wait, (laughs) wait too long. Yeah. It took us like three years to figure out how to price our our services pretty much. So did it take you a long time to figure out who your ideal buyer is or was it just pricing? Yeah. Yeah. It definitely took a little while to figure out who is a good customer fit. And then that also kind of fit into like, how do you price it for them and make it competitive? Yeah. So the combination of those two literally took us, I would say, two, three years. And there was a certain point where we kind of like got to a better place with that. And what then can I think, you tell, yeah. what can you tell listeners just insights that you've pulled out of that difficult time of trying to figure out pricing? Well, I think one is to break down the profitability of what you're selling. I think in services, we were focused too much on just like selling and and just selling whatever we could and like, oh, let's just like, you know, hopefully they'll accept this price instead of thinking like, Hey, like that price isn't necessarily super profitable for us. So like we shouldn't offer that or we should like, we were, I think too eager to get sales and, and, and not willing to walk away from bad deals. You know what I mean? Do you think that that's a period of time that's just sort of, it's going to be part of everybody's story? Yes, I think it is, but I think you could be a lot smarter about it. Like you could take on certain strategic deals, maybe lower your pricing to get a couple portfolio pieces out there. But then at a certain point, you don't need to keep doing that. Like we did that for way too long. We were basically like kept our prices too low for too long because we didn't know that what we should have done is raised our prices and taken on less deals. Like we had, we had done enough work to like justify our skills, you know, at that point, like we, there's maybe yeah, the how, first year where like you need to kind of like prove yourself, but after like it. a year or two, I think you should be able to move on from that. And if you can't, then you're probably just not doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, uh, we're, I can't remember if you had another point there. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I would say the next tipping point after that, once we kind of learned how to price ourselves better, we kind of had some specialties and kind of like a, a you know all right, we're focused on e-commerce. We're focused on these platforms. We have a decent idea of how to price ourselves and what customers we want. Then the next was building a team and hiring and building like a management and like infrastructure and the right team. And that was definitely a very challenging period that kind of evolved from like 2015 to 2017. And we kind of like rebuilt the team or I basically rebuilt the team. And then once I did that, it got, got a lot better. So um, since so what, that's something that you struggled with, can you tell me some insights that you <laughs> that you would give to entrepreneurs from that period? Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> there's there's a lot of challenges with that. Sometimes we got lucky and we just we had no idea like what cost to hire. Like we were just like, well, we don't make a lot of money, so maybe someone else will work cheap. But like that's not how it works, right? Like if you're an employee, like you don't want to get paid 
not that you want to get paid market value, right? And we were paying ourselves less than market value because we we're just trying to like grow the business. Um, so we didn't really understand how to like what you would get for what price. Mm-hmm. So I think doing a lot of research on the market and and figuring out what really market value is for the different hires that you need and really taking a step back, like, and then it's like, all right, well, maybe I can't afford market value for this hire. So how can I like, how can I get something done without maybe I need a part-time person for that? Or like, you know, like we would make the mistake of trying to just like hire cheap people because we couldn't afford certain market level positions and it would just backfire. And we would have been better off not hiring them at all. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like realizing what you need, like, do you need a senior person, a mid-level or a junior person? And and, and a junior person means you have to train them. And if you have to be willing to invest a lot of time and money into training them and there's a risk, they might not work out. And that's what we just didn't understand that whole like level of person that you were hiring and what you were really paying for. Yeah. What, what are your biggest challenges now? What do you see into the future as future tipping points? Yeah, I think it's just different levels of scalability. Now we're a lot more mature. We have departments and then there's different bottlenecks in different departments. Right. And so there's two, I think there's kind of two scalability issues that we have now. One is cash flow. Uh, when you're growing fast and you're bootstrap, we're not, we're not VC funded. We, uh, we've taken on a little bit of debt here and there, but pretty minimal. So it's pretty much all profit funded growth and just like reinvesting back into the business. Um, you need a lot of cash on hand to kind of like be in a good position. And that's challenging when you're growing fast, right? So let's say you're doubling every year, which is yeah. pretty right. Well, we're not doubling every year, but we've had some pretty big years. Um, but let's just pretend we're doubling every year. Then your, <laughs> your, your, your costs are pretty much going to double every year, right? Like roughly. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they could go even higher because your costs have to go up a lot to keep that growth. Yeah. So to have the cash on hand to keep fueling that growth is really difficult. And if that growth slows down, but your costs are super high, you can put yourself in a really bad position really fast. So all of a sudden, like it's very hard to have the cash on hand to match your growth costs. Um, so that's something we have to be like super conscious about. And then the other is just making sure that all the departments are scaling with the right level, right types of managers and the right personnel. So right now we have a bottleneck in one department that we're working on and trying to get ahead of those bottlenecks. Like we, we talk to the director in that department. He's aware, we're aware, like we have a plan in place, but it just takes time. And unfortunately this is a tough time, right? Cause we're like, look, we're not going to hire someone December 25th. Like if we're going to hire them, like realistically, we're probably going to hire someone in January. Cause like, we've made a rule not to hire. We've always backfired when we hire people like right before the holidays just never works mm, out. Like got it. you're basically giving them like a bunch of free vacation. And it's so chaotic and they're not really learning that much. And it's like, you might as well hire them in January. So it's kind of like solving the different departments. basically like growing each department in unison is very challenging because, and the, the departments have to get more sophisticated as you grow. Right. So you have like sales is more sophisticated. Marketing is more sophisticated client services, you know, finance, our, you know, uh, finance department, HR, like all these different things has to grow together. And if one is like really weak, it'll bring down everything else. You see what I'm saying? Like it'll become a bottleneck for everything else. So it's like always very challenging to like, you're always like looking to like plug the holes in the different departments and figure out where the problems are. And it's hard when you're a CEO at a bigger company, you know, I don't really know, you know, now that we're like almost 60 people, I don't like know day to day what's going on. Like I'm not working on every client. So like I have to kind of like trust my managers and they have to trust the people below them. And then sometimes I'll get into the weeds when I need to, but the goal is for me not to be in the weeds so that I can trust the team to do, to do the right job. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah. Isaiah, I love it. How can listeners connect with you? Yeah. Uh, you can email me at Isaiah at trellis.co, uh, or honestly, the best thing to do is just go to trellis.co, our website, uh, which is .co, by the way, it's not .com, <laughs> trellis.co and just, you know, contact us on our forum. Like we're pretty responsive when it comes to that. Love it. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for listening to our show, What Makes Them Tip? Innovations that changed everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arcalea.com slash guest and a small request. If you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag Arcalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.